I'm keeping this teaser short because I can't wait to get into today's conversation. Back in August, I encouraged listeners to ask their veteran teachers three questions. The questions were designed to help you learn more about your teachers and to help them feel listened to and valued. Today's guest, a practicing assistant principal, used those questions, and she's here to share how it went, what she learned, and what her next steps will be. Hello, colleagues, and welcome to the Assistant Principal Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Frederick Buskey. We are all on a leadership journey. Every day, we have a chance to grow. Every day, we have a chance to help others grow. My goal and the goal of this podcast is to help you grow into being a strategic leader, a leader who puts people before purpose, who solves problems instead of treating symptoms, and who understands the difference between progress and action. Through this podcast, my daily email, and virtual programs, I'm working to build a network of inspired and inspiring school leaders. Let's get started on today's adventure and this unique opportunity to learn to live and lead better. Alexandra Oriema is a New York-based educator and leader with over 10 years of experience working in the New York City public school system. Formerly an English language arts teacher, department chair, and instructional coach, she now works as a co-principal at a grade 6-12 through 12 school in Queens. In addition to her service to New York City, she's written and implemented curriculum for a private tutoring company in Shanghai, China. She's passionate about curriculum and instruction, empowering educators within their classroom domain, and investing capital in human relationships. Hello, Alex. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited. And we've been talking about this show for a while, and I'll get into that, but I always like to begin with celebration. So I should let people know, I guess it's seven o'clock on a Friday night as we record this. So in light of that, what are you celebrating today? Um, I am celebrating another, another week down. It was a a busy one, but productive. So I'm, I'm really happy that it's the weekend is is among us and we have a holiday on Monday, which makes it a little bit sweeter. Mm, Absolutely. And then we get to start over again, right? To a certain extent. (laughs) Alex, is there a story that you can tell listeners that tells why you're doing the work that you're doing? Okay. So I never, I never, ever really want it. Well, I don't know if I didn't want to, but I never thought I wanted to do this work. And I had people along my journey who kind of gave me bits of encouragement and, you know, trinkets of, of hope that they felt would push me towards the inevitable path that I'm on. And I had one person in my past that did a lot of things in a particular way. Um, and I didn't really like it. I didn't like the way they, they, they did the things they did. And I kind of thought to myself, huh, if I was in this position, this is what I would do differently. And it's almost, I think maybe sometimes in spite of the things that happen that drives us to where we go. And so, um, I, I kind of was like, let me take a stab at this. Let me try and see if I can do it a little bit differently. And um, hopefully 
you know, hopefully I learn from past mistakes and I leave the world a little better than I found it. Well, thanks for sharing that. Yeah, we we learn from the positive examples, we learn from the negative examples, and then maybe the the hardest part of all is learning how to take things so that we can still be authentic to who we are. Because yeah. even in those, even when we have those great mentors, those great examples, that's still, that's not us, right? So how do we take that great practice and then make it ours? Yeah. Yeah. The authenticity pieces, I think it's always a work in progress. Always. <laughs> sometimes trying to get there and sometimes just trying to hang on to what you have left. <laughs> So we had a conversation a couple of weeks ago. I had we reached out to some of my LinkedIn colleagues for advice on working with veteran teachers, did a whole show on that episodes 153 and then later 155. But you said something in your feedback to me on LinkedIn that just really kind of piqued my curiosity by the way that you'd phrased it. And you talked about leaning into the relationships of veteran teachers. And I, I love the language because to me that that brings a power to what you're talking about. We had the conversation and then we talked about you going back to your school and asking your teachers three questions. So at the end of episode 153, I asked three questions, or I suggested that you assistant principals ask these three questions of your veteran teachers. What is your teaching superpower? What's the biggest difference between who you are now as a teacher and who you were when you began. And finally, if you could get students to do one thing differently, what would it be? And I put these three questions out there because I thought that they would help you learn about your veteran teachers, help them feel listened to, but also give you some insights into what motivated them, what they might be able to do to step into leadership roles when you ask about that superpower but then also start to give you a hint maybe of areas that they would like support in or that they would like to grow in. So Alex, I was thrilled because you said, I'm going to go do that. So I've been jumping up and down and I've been waiting for several weeks for us to have this conversation. And I just want you to verify with the audience. I have not sent you any checks, no dollar bills, no gold bars, nothing right? So no, not at all. Totally just took it and ran with it. All right. And I don't know what you're going to tell me, but I can't <laughs> wait anymore. So let's dive in. You went and asked those questions, I guess, tell me first about the process and then tell me what you found out. So yeah, I want to, I want to start with that. The, you, so we had the conversation and I brought, I'm very, I'm a very transparent person, probably to a fault, but I brought the conversation that we had to my cabinet with my head of school and my co-principal. And I said, listen, I was talking to this really great guy. He runs this cool podcast. We had a really great chat and he gave me these three kind of questions. I want to take them and run with them and see what kind of, you know, conversations result from these questions. And our head of school was like, we're, we're using these this year, but let's do it. Let's do it. So it actually didn't, I don't think it's just something that I did with my 22 teachers. It's something that collectively as an administrative cabinet, we've all done, which is really cool because everyone gets to engage in it. Um, I, it was different this year to start my conversations with teachers with these three questions. I'll be really honest. And it was different in a, in a great way. 
the teachers unanimously, the first question of what is your teaching superpower? They were giddy. They were, they were so excited to answer that question. And I said, you know, I know it's a little cheesy, but you know, humor me. And they, it it was so great to hear teachers gloat about what makes them awesome and to be willing to share that. And I think it's, it's a good first question. And I think it's really intentional the way that you kind of asked it to, to be in, as the first question, because it builds a little bit of confidence, right? It puts, it, it, it puts a best foot forward and it allows for you to build from that point, right? It's a lot easier to build from a place of positivity than it is from, you know, a half empty glass, so to speak. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and so I'll, I'll, I'll talk about some trends in a second. Um, the second question around how, how people were different, um, interesting, maybe we should talk about the first one. I think we should maybe talk about the superpower thing first. Cause okay. that was, so every single teacher, well, let's say not every single teacher. I had 22 teachers that I asked these three questions to 19 of the 22 teachers stated something around this idea of human relationships with students, that their superpower is the ability to lean into the, the, the relationships that they have with young people and use those positive relationships to push student outcome. And they all said it in a different way. I'm probably now taking what they've said and and, and saying it a little differently, but I'll read you an example of one. Um, superpower is building relationships with students to feel empowered to pass their examinations. Um, my superpower is uh, being really observant, paying close attention to the needs of my students and looking at the patterns to see what they need. Uh, strength is, or my superpower is a strength in building relationships with le- which leads itself to open communication. Uh, my superpower is my relationships with students. It's really easy for me to re- make relationships with them, which makes teaching easier. So everyone was really kind of saying something around the their ability to foster a positive relationship with a young person. And that's the, I think the best part about teaching is it keeps you young. It really, truly does. Um, you know, it's like almost like you age slower than the rest of the world because you're working with young people all the time, but it's so cool to hear teachers genuinely feeling so proud and positive towards that space of their practice. I would think that that would be very inspiring to you. It is. Um, it's, it, 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 I don't want to say it was jarring. I just, I wasn't anticipating so many teachers for that to be the, I was like, whoa. So that's my follow-up of that. That's my follow-up for you. Would you have anticipated that? And were there teachers that said that, that you were thinking, whoa, really? That was Um, a surprise? You know what? When you take a step back, I'm not surprised. I might just work in a really unique place though. I I work in 
an unbelievable community with an unbelievable population of students and a fantastic population of teachers. So maybe um, I'm the bias answer here, but you know, it kind of makes sense. Like there, there's, there's certain areas of things where like, if a teacher had said to me, for example, my superpower is my ability to organize lesson plans. There's a couple of teachers that come to mind where I would have said, huh, I don't know if your if your strength is really the organizational aspect, right? Or the planning aspect. But when you kind of take a step back and look at the, the picture of the whole school, the community building and the relationship building, I think is really the pulse of it all. Well, so that is, that is fun. Yeah, it's cool. It's cool. The kids and our kids love all of our staff, you know, and they, they, you, you see the way that teachers have conversations with kids in the hallway and passing, right. When they're not in class, you see the way that teachers go down on lunch periods and sit with kids and have lunch and have a chat, right. You see the way that kids come in at six 30 in the morning, right. The crack of dawn because they want to sit and work with the teacher before school starts. So that, and, and that's, that's a huge leverage point. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's funny. I, I put together a couple of years ago, these kind of nine keys to look for that I used when I walked into a building. And if I was only going to be in this building for an hour and maybe only ever in at one time, there were nine things that I was looking for. And one of the huge differentiators was the interaction between kids and teachers in the hallway. Hmm right? Like what's happening when kids are moving from one room to the next and you've got teachers standing in the hallway. Mm-hmm. What does that interaction look like? Because it tells you a remarkable Absolutely. amount. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's, you know, it's funny that you say that because the body language is important. And I want to circle back to something about the leaning in, right? You, you had mentioned that my response about leaning in kind of perked your interest or piqued your interest, excuse me. Um, I think that there's something to body language in that answer, right? Because there's a, there's this physical part of leaning in. I don't mean leaning in and just like listening. Yes. But physically being open with your body language, because what body language and facial expressions are 55% of the way we communicate. I forget the statistic, but body language is so important, Mm -hmm. right? And so to your point about the way that teachers are in a hallway, when students are passing, um, it, it's, it, it's really important to zoom in on what that body language looks like and what the, the physical space yields. Yeah. Well, and like, let's look at us right now. I mean, listeners can't see it, but we're on a video call and we're right. both, we're both leaning into this call. <laughs> and every time we get excited about something, both of us are kind of moving closer. So it's very absolutely. True. evidence. Yeah. I'm really close to the camera right now. (laughs) (laughs) So the second question then was, what's the biggest difference between who you are now and who you were when you began? And I constructed that as a complex question for a number of reasons. One, I thought it would force people to really reflect, to really pause and, and think also, I didn't think there was there was nothing negative in it. And again, it's actually a chance for them to brag again and tell about how they've grown. It it also just I think gives you insights 
into how the teachers perceive themselves, but also a little bit more information about you know the way teachers grow over their career. And then the other thing that it does, it's actually going to to link to that next question, which yeah. is about something different. So it's the way to kind of front load the answer to the last question. Agreed. Agreed. It's the the sequencing of the questions is, I think the the magic to the sauce. Um, that that question was was interesting in that it, it was almost like a 50-50 split. Some of my teachers shared something that was a little bit more like a technical part of pedagogy, right? In that I'm I I I wasn't very organized my first year and now I am. Or I wasn't good at multitasking my first year and now I am. I wasn't good at planning for a week span in a, you know, and, and now I am right. And those are kind of, I don't want to say more technical, but they are in, in, in a way. And then there was another group of teachers who coincidentally were the more veteran teachers that shared something along the lines of maturity and experience, right? When I walked into the classroom, my first year teaching, I didn't know anything and I didn't know that I didn't know anything. And now with my experience, right, I, I know more and I'm therefore more flexible. Mm. I'm therefore more adaptable. And that's a really, I think, um, not existential, but it's a bit more, I don't know what the word is. It's escaping me because it's 7.30 at night. Um, <laughs> but it, it's a little bit more abstract, perhaps. Yeah, and I think a little bit a little bit more personal, too, in a way, right? Because it's about not what I do. It's about who I am. Right, right, right. And so there's, you know, but it's interesting. I've Now I've just told you about my superpower, and now I'm going to also share this kind of, it's not a point of, of weakness, but a point that makes me look a little bit vulnerable because no one's perfect. Right. 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 So, um, that, that was interesting. Um, Alex, and I'm curious when you asked that question, did people, were they able to just answer it or did people really stop and, and think? Well, I sent the questions in advance mm. and 90% of my teachers came with their notes <laughs> because they're teachers. <laughs> <laughs> they're fantastic and they're amazing. And, but, you know, I, I think it's good to, to pre-think your thoughts before you share them. I think journaling is a great mental exercise. So I'm glad that they did that, but I'll be, I'll be honest. The conversations were very natural. They, they, these were probably my best conferences. They were, they were really direct and they were, it was so much of not me leading. It was mm. them just sharing. And that was it, it totally flipped from my first experience last year where I, you know, I went in with my little notebook and I had my 10 questions that I was going to ask and I was going to take my notes. And it was so much more conversational this year because of these questions. So you have me really thinking because when I suggested these, it, what I was envisioning was, you know, I catch a teacher maybe at the end of the day and we're standing in the hall and I can ask these three questions. So it'd be super informal. Yeah. I had not thought at all about letting them have those questions 
ahead of time. And just as we're talking this through, I can see how them actually being prepared and having thought about them makes it even easier for them to lead that conversation. And that like that's one of the huge things that's so important right here. Yeah. We, we're the listener. We're not steering it. So they already have the questions. They already know the conversation. There's no mystery. They can lead it. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, uh, I think it's really empowering because it's not, it's not a me conversation. It's an us conversation. Mm-hmm. And so you jumping into the driver's seat and me being a passenger is so much more powerful. I think that's, I kind of go into my instructional coaching with teachers in that way. Like you're driving, I'm maybe I'm in the backseat. Maybe I'm in the trunk because you didn't have enough room. That's fine. I'm in the car and I'm going with you, but you're driving. Right. And so these questions really allowed for that. Um, the third question, though, the third question. I had a couple teachers who it was really easy to formulate a professional pet pedagogical goal with them from the response. And I had a couple hey, teachers. Can you give an example? Yes. Let me let me scroll through my notes to find <laughs> So the question is if you can get your students to do one thing differently in class, what what is it, right? And one teacher said thinking. Having my kids think and I don't want them to struggle so much when they think, because when they struggle, they often get really defeated and they give up. So if I could do anything, if my kids could do anything differently, it would be think more easily, right? <laughs> That's the, if anyone can find the answer to that, you win the million dollars, right? <laughs> and so from that, from that answer, right, it's very easy to, the natural step to that is, okay, So as a goal for you professionally, let's lean into questioning and discussion in terms of like the framework of teaching. How do you, in your lesson, think about the areas where kids are going to get stuck? Where are the possible misconceptions? And when student A, student B, and student C get stuck at different parts of the lesson, what are the questions that I have built that are going to help them get out without me telling them the answer? How do I pre-plan these questions? And that's a lot of thinking, right? And Mm -hmm. so it was really easy to have this conversation around, I want to support you this year in developing higher order thinking questions and pre-planning those into your lessons. Okay. I'm going to jump in right there. So first thing is, this is the question that I'm most unsure about because I've not actually gone in and asked people this question, kind of done the others before, but so- I'm not sure how people would respond. So I'm really interested. The first example you've given is what I would have hoped. One of the things I would hope to hear and, and what you said you could do with it, right. Is the natural fit. I'm a teacher, boy, I really wish this was happening in my classroom. Okay. Well, let's talk about what that looks like and how can I help you so that that can help in in your classroom. I also specifically phrase that question as what you could get students to do because I wanted teachers to be thinking about what they wanted their students to do. And I didn't want them to feel like they were having to, you know, what's my goal for the year, right? Because then, then we get contrived. But if I'm thinking about what I want my kids to do, 
And then all of a sudden we can have a conversation and you can discover, ooh, maybe you can actually help me get my kids to do this. Like Then that's a win-win. Right. Right. Okay. All right. So that was, that's an example of one of the easy pedagogy ones. <laughs> now I'm holding my breath. Where are we that's, going, Alex? That, so, <laughs> and you know, it's, I'll be honest. I, I said to teachers after they gave their answer, I said, my hope in you providing that answer in this conversation is that from that, we can come up with a goal that we will just streamline through your practice this year. Right. And so I was very transparent about this is why I'm asking the question. I want to ha- help you set a goal. And I want the goal to be something that you come up with, not me saying, hey, you know, I looked at your observations from last year and, you know, you didn't really do well here. So this is what you're going to focus on this year because that's not productive. And that doesn't empower teachers to want to build their craft. However, I got stuck with a few people. Okay. And it's interesting that the people I got stuck with are veteran in that they've been teaching for 15 plus years. So I wonder if maybe the longevity, there's something there. I, I'm I'm not sure. So one teacher said that they what they would want their kids to do differently is to understand that there's a process and that learning is a process. And that her students really feel like if they don't get something the first time, that's it. And we had a conversation around a generational trend, right? This is, these are 13, 14 and 15 year olds, right? They are the generation of instant gratification. They Amazon it, it comes the next day. They Instagram it, it's there automatically. They Snapchat it, it's up on social media. So they're used to things being there automatically. And when they are in a a classroom setting and they're faced with, let's say, a challenging text and the answer doesn't come to them as quick as their Amazon delivery, they become frustrated. And so we had a conversation that was really more about the generation of students that is are being taught now. And I asked, I said, okay, so maybe we can focus on a goal around motivation, right? Because it sounds like maybe there's something something with motivation there. And the teacher said, no, I don't, I don't, I don't think that's it. I can't put my finger on it. And so we kind of went back and forth in this really just natural way. And we left the conversation as let me come in a few times. And let me observe you just informally, nothing written, right? Just let me come in, pop in, do a few visits. Let me see what I see. Let's check back in, in in a week or two. You tell me how it's going. You tell me if you see any patterns. I'll share with you any patterns that I'm seeing and we'll revisit the goal together. So we didn't have an answer at the end of the meeting of what's your goal. Alex, that's great. That's great because so much of the time, the answer is we need to get, we need more information. Right. And sometimes we we're accustomed to, if we don't know the answer, then, then we fail just like she's saying about her kids. Right. (laughs) But this is a great example that the answer in this case is, you know, we need, we need more information and what a, I mean, the whole topic is just so powerful yes, and so deep. And I mean, this is a teacher really really looking deeply into her practice and wanting to bring out something special in her kids and to be able to say, 
wow, we're not sure. We can't really describe this yet, but let's think about it. Let's go watch some more and let's have these conversations. That's that's getting to the heart of what something that's really worth learning. It's so like meta, like metacognitive in that her answer is indicative of what we are, what we're doing. She, her answer was learning is a process. And the answer of our meeting was that learning is a process. We don't have the information right now. So we have to learn more and then we'll come and we'll figure it out. So it's the universe is, is a funny, funny thing. And uh, you have to laugh, I think, because it's, it's humorous. It's great. Yeah, yeah. It's fantastic. So have you figured it out yet? No, I haven't. We just had the conversation this week. So I'm going, I'm going to, we'll, we'll check in with her next week and I'll, I'll let you know what. Cool. Did you, did you have any kind of resistance or any other real surprises with that question? There was definitely a a pattern around of that answer. There, there was some pattern around and it, maybe it was a frustration. Um, if kids could do anything differently, it would take, take more accountability, take more responsibility. Right. And that, that's the part where you, you can't really lean into the craft of teaching in that way. Like it's not, it's not okay. Focus on planning, focus on accommodations and differentiation, focus on having kids self-assess, focus on kids peer-to-peer evaluate. Like if there's not, there's not a educational jargon that you can just put on it. What they're commenting on and what they're noticing is something that's more, I think, societal. It's so much bigger than just teaching, right? It's how do I get kids to be accountable because I know when they leave my classroom and go out into the world, they have to be accountable. And to go back to question number one, my superpower is my relationships with my kids. It just reinforces this idea that these teachers care Mm -hmm. so much about the whole kid. Yeah. Not to say they don't care if the kid gets a hundred on the test or 50 on the test, but they care about the well-being of the student that they're a lifelong learner. Yeah. So uh, let me point out a couple things here. One is that when we ask this question and we're thinking it's a place the teacher can grow, but the teacher gives us an answer that really is focused, I'll say more on student growth. I still think that's a really good thing, right? So if we can still find a way to help the teacher help the kids, then that's that's growth. The place I think I would go when I get a question or get a response like that is, okay, let's let's talk more about that. When you say responsible, what is what does that look like? What does that sound like? Right. Like what tells you that a kid is responsible? And so start to actually identify mm. the specific behaviors that indicate that a kid is responsible. Right. And then we can start to maybe pull apart to some of what are the building blocks of responsibility, right? right? Why are some kids seem to be responsible? Others don't. What are the barriers to responsibility? And as we kind of unpack this thing, we've talked about kids this whole time, but then we can start to say, okay, so we have all these different elements over here. This is what it looks like. This is what it sounds like. These are some of the things that are hard for kids. This is why we think they maybe aren't being as responsible. Which of these things can we actually do something about? 
because in there, there, there are things, uh, right. for example, well, they would do their homework and a lot of times they don't do their homework. Okay. There are things that the school can do and that teachers can do that are going to get kids to do their homework more often, not right. to get into a, a debate about the value or lack thereof of homework. But if homework's important, there are things that we can do systemically to help overcome the natural barriers that kids face in order to get them to be responsible to do the homework. So I think you can actually start to just break it all down and then isolate something and find a way that we can, as teachers then can be empowered to do something about that. Yeah. And I think we can still do it in a way that I, like, I don't own all that. I don't own student responsibility, Right. but I care about my kids and I do know there is this thing I can do and that's, I, that will help them. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's what I think that's well said. That's a, that's a good point. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. It's a lot, um, a lot to digest. Yeah. Yeah. So the, the other thing then I wanted to ask is what are some, I just feel like we could do this in some different ways too. Right. right? So I had one vision of how it would play out. You did it a different way which just seemed to go off really cool. Have you thought about other ways to kind of tweak this? We'd change the questions, change the setting. What are some other ways that you could see maybe using this kind of a three question setup? So, well, let me tell you, let me brag a little for a second because you gave me an idea. And I, you, you're what you're, you have a quote that's people before purpose, right? People before purpose. Before purpose. So, I took the superhero thing and I created these little cards and I laminated them. And there's like a little figure of a superpower man on the bottom. And on the top, it says my superpower is, and then I wrote in what all the teachers said was their superpower. And I put a little hashtag on the bottom, like silly, silly. And I put their name on it and I laminated it and I gave it to them and I, I did that because I wanted to reinforce that I heard them and that I see them. And I think that goes a long way because I know for me as a person, I appreciate being heard and being seen. And these conferences, these conversations that you have with teachers, whether they're in passing, whether they're more formal um, sometimes it, it can very much feel like you're just going through emotion of something. You have a conversation with someone and then, oh God, like that you forget about it. And so I wanted to cement that conversation a bit more. So I did that little thing. And can I just tell you not every single teacher, but most of them, when I gave them that little laminated stick, it was like a kid in a candy shop. They're like, thank you so much. It was the, the simplest thing. But I think it's really, so I, I say that to say, I think it's very important to not just have a conversation, but to lean in right to that conversation and give 110% to that conversation. And so I did that thing. My second, my second part, the question, the second question around how you're different now than you were your first year. I had a few teachers that I asked that to this year and it was their first year teaching. So I actually had to change the question. And I said, how are you different now as a person than you were maybe a decade ago? 
And how might that translate to your teaching? I, I had, to, yeah, yeah, I, because I, you can't, you can't ask a first year teacher how they're different, you know, and I wanted to keep the integrity of the question because it really is about change and growth. Mm -hmm. I love it. Yeah. So I want to read something that I think I shared in that episode 153 or 155. I don't know which one it was, but this is my friend, Jennifer Bertram, who's I think a 30 year veteran high school teacher, awesome teacher, you know, kids love to be in the classroom. She's pushing them intellectually, creating great social emotional spaces, all this stuff. But I was asking her, what's your advice for assistant principals working with veteran teachers? She said, give them audience and practice your very best listening skills. Don't be afraid of them. Engage with them. Giving audience to veteran voices validates their experience and can make them feel valued in a profession that doesn't offer that very often. Mm -hmm. She hit the nail on the head. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what this whole process was about, right? Asking questions that, that help them feel heard. And then that's one of the reasons that your card was so powerful. And even though you said it was something small, it wasn't, mm. it was, it was something very important because it said, I hear you. I see you. I value you. Yeah. I think, I think that's, that's paramount. It's human relationships is everything. It's yeah. absolutely everything. Okay, Alex, million dollar question, I think. How has this experience shaped your practice moving forward? It's forced me to become more present. Um, as an assistant principal, you wear a lot of hats especially in my school. <laughs> so having these conversations, I looked forward to these conversations and I really put away the devices. I put away the stuff and I just was present. And my, my hope, my commitment rather, not my hope, my commitment to this year is when I'm working with my teachers to stay that present and to be that present because they absolutely undoubtedly 2000% deserve that. I want to just end the episode there, <laughs> but, <laughs> but, <laughs> and yes, I know there's assistant principals who listen to the earlier shows and they're listening to this now and they're thinking, yeah, this seems great, but oh, I know I just, don't have the time or, oh, I don't know if I can really pull that off They're They get the idea, but there are barriers and they're questioning. What can you say? What would you say to a colleague that's thinking about doing this, but maybe hesitant to jump into being an assistant principal, uh, about asking these questions about going oh, to veteran teachers. Yeah. You don't know what you're missing. You don't know what you're missing. The conversations were a highlight of my day. It was so great to hear people share. And I don't know if I had an expectation going into the conversations. I, I don't know if I really thought, because I was so concerned about how the questions would land 
I wasn't really so concerned with what the responses would be. And I was so just gracious and for their comments and for their, for their ability to share so openly, I was, I felt excited to be a listener. Hmm. And so I think, you know, lean in and listen. Okay. There's the, invariably we get to the end of the show and the guest says something and that's the title of the show, lean in and listen. (laughs) So I want to point out two things before we move to our final questions. One is you talked about doing this collectively. And I think any time that we can take a practice and do it as a leadership team collectively, it just amplifies the benefit and it makes it easier for teachers. It makes it easier for all of us. And then we have this kind of common experience, this common bundle of information and stuff that we can, that we can then work on from there together. Sure. And my second point, I forgot. So (laughs) we'll move on. It was really good audience. Trust me. (laughs) (laughs) It was so good. He can't say it. So Alex, what part of your own leadership are you still trying to get better at? Systems and structures is where it's at for me this year. I, I know curriculum really well. And I'm proud to say it. I I will humble brag, but I I know curriculum and I know instruction and I know good teaching. Um, and part of that is because I feel like such a child at heart. So every time I go into a classroom before I'm a former teacher and before I'm a current assistant principal, I'm a student. And that's the lens I take. And I don't know if it's right, wrong or indifferent, but I think that learning the systems and structures organizationally from a business standpoint is a very big, not lift, but it's a big learning curve Mm -hmm. because yes, instruction is, you know, key to a school, but it's not the only part of a school. And so there are so many other factors that you have to balance as a school leader and so I am trying to lean into those spaces where the glass isn't as full as it needs to be, right? So that I can have a full glass of water to drink from, so to speak, for lack of better analogy. <laughs> it's hard to invest in growing your teachers if you're having to spend time dealing with broken systems and structures all the time. So yeah. makes a lot of sense. All right. If listeners could take away just one thing from tonight's show, what would that be? I feel like this is the part where I am supposed to say something really profound. You've you've already covered that base. Oh, so just whatever you want to say. Uh, if listeners could take anything from this conversation, I think just human relationships are everything. And I probably already said that, but you have to take the time. It's like a plant. If you want it to grow, you have to give it proper sunlight and good soil and water. And people are the same way. There's a reason why if you talk to a plant nicely, it grows. Same thing with a person. So I really believe in that. And 
Um, I try to be as authentic and genuine in that as I can. And I think collectively as a, as a world, if we can kind of lean into that space, it makes a better world. And I'm sure it definitely makes a better workplace environment. Yeah. Mm. Alex, thanks so much for sharing. Thanks for coming on. Uh, we've only known each other a couple months, but I'm just excited to continue to hope our, our paths cross during this journey. I'm really excited to see where you are now and to think about where you're going and have a feeling you'll probably be back on this show uh, in the future. Thanks for having me. This has been such a great chat and it's been a pleasure. So thank you very much. Awesome. All right. Take care. Bye. After my conversation with Alex, I remembered that second point that I had wanted to make. And that was about the idea of putting people ahead of purpose. Imagine what these conversations would be like if we had been purpose-focused. We would have talked to their teachers about their teaching and thinking about how we could improve student achievement. That would be the purpose-focused conversation. But instead, we were people-focused. We focused on the teachers. And what happened? We got gold. And we had really deep, meaningful conversations about the work of teaching, which is about serving kids. Especially in today's environment, purposes are muddled, purposes get confused, and we often mistake the measurement of purpose for the purpose itself. So forget about purpose. Focus on the people because they will lead you to the real purpose. People are pure than purpose. I want to end this episode with a clear, a very clear call to action. Ask questions. Go ask your teachers powerful questions that allow them to reflect and to share. Be quiet and listen because that's where the gift is. The gift is asking and then giving them the space to talk. It's still early in the school year and you can still ask these questions or others like the five-minute coaching questions, but just go invest some time with your teachers, ask them questions, and just listen and learn. This episode builds on episodes 153 and 155 from early August or late August, both about connecting with veteran teachers. In those episodes, I shared a simple framework for working with veteran teachers by doing four things. Learn about them, empower them, support them, and then you can help grow them. I have a two-page graphic organizer. If you'd like a copy, just email me at frederick at frederickbuskey.com and I'll send you a copy. Now, I'm asking you to email me instead of putting it on my website because I love hearing from people. I love interacting with members of the audience. So I hope you'll take me up on the offer. Free graphic organizer, just email me at frederick at frederickbuskey.com. If you want to learn more about me and my materials, you can go to my website at frederickbuskey.com. And of course, I'll place both those links in the show notes. I look forward to seeing you again on Friday when we debrief the week's emails. Please remember to subscribe and rate this podcast. Rating the show helps other people find it. And if you want to be a super fan, consider leaving a review. I'm Frederick Buskey, and thank you again for joining me on this episode of the Assistant Principal Podcast. Go out and ask questions of your teachers this week and then listen. Okay, cheers. Cheers.